Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So Kim Kardashian is getting a lot of heat after Taylor Swift came out swinging yesterday um, when she was named the Time Person of the Year. Um, and it all has to do with that secret recording where um, <laughs> Kanye was on the phone and Kim was recording, without telling Taylor she was recording, recording a conversation uh, which Taylor says was edited, was unfair, and that she and was never illegally recorded. And she didn't know it was being recorded. Illegally recorded, and sh and and never told Taylor. Kanye never told Taylor that I'm going to use the phrase "I made that bitch famous." That Taylor says I never would have done that. I never would have approved it. And guess what? Kim's never apologized. Right, never apologized. So the reason that Kim is getting so much heat. In the Time interview, uh, as we told you yesterday, uh, you know Taylor says, uh, laid out all those things about Kim, and the fact that as soon as everyone read that, I think all of Taylor's fans, and maybe even just some <laughs> non-Taylor fans, felt like, why wouldn't Kim Kardashian, seven years later, um, as famous as they both are, as popular uh, and successful as they both are, at some point, wouldn't Kim have just said, especially now that she's divorced from Kanye, that chapter's behind her. Why wouldn't she have just said, I'm sorry. Hey, you know what? I'm sorry that went all went haywire and shouldn't happen that way. Apologize. She's never had a conversation with her. There is no relationship. There might be a reason when you think about it that for Kim to say, yeah, I secretly recorded you. She I shouldn't have to apologize for that. Why? Why? Okay. I mean, K Taylor was upset about that. She was. As a matter of fact, Taylor said, look, I went the underground for right. a year because I couldn't trust anybody, and um, I moved out of the country even, so that was a big issue well, for Well, the her. bigger thing I thought for Taylor also is that she felt that Kanye and Kim made her look like a liar, because what happened- Well, they did, by the way. Right, Taylor, the, reason, the only reason that that conversation, that Kim first posted parts of the conversation, and then the full thing was leaked, the only reason it came out was because Taylor was upset about the song, and she publicly said, I never, approved this, I didn't didn't know he was gonna say that, the part about bitch. And Kim puts out this conversation. So the question is why- To make it seem like right. Taylor did. So like, no, Taylor did approve. But in the conversation, Kanye never uses that word. He never said it. But I gotta right. ask you something. Why did she record that in the first place before there was even a dispute? That's you know the question why. to me. You know why. I, well, I want you to say it. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, she recorded it because Kanye knew that this was going to be right. uh, an issue, and, and she, he was trying to skirt that issue. And you can even, by the way, should we play just, it's been seven years, you probably don't necessarily remember. We should play part of this conversation because to me, it is so, it's cringeworthy to hear Kanye trying to amble up to, all right, here's what I'm going to say, here's right. what I'm going to say. And never really says it. And he's clearly very worried about what Taylor's reaction is going to be. It's gonna go Eminem a little bit, so can you brace yourself for a second? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, it says, wait a second, you sound sad. Well, is it gonna be mean? No, I don't think it's mean. So it says, to all my South Side that know me best, I feel like Taylor Swift might owe me sex. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Talk about an awkward laugh from Taylor, like, <laughs> right. Okay, does that mean? But, and, and maybe it's because she reacted that way and it's very clear she wasn't thrilled with it that he never actually finished the line and said the whole thing. Right. So, so a few points on this. Number one, wow, is that ever a different Kanye West than the Kanye <laughs> that we've seen the last three years? Yeah. Um, but also, okay, so the point, he doesn't say the word. Uh, Taylor claims that, look, she had to hide away. She moved to a different country for a year, whatever. She moved to <laughs> London with her boyfriend. She wasn't in a hidden village in the Congo or something hiding out. You know what I mean? Like, she tries to make it some big dramatic thing. It's like, you were in London with your boyfriend. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, okay. I think the reason Kim has not apologized is because... I don't think she really needs to. I think Kim Kardashian is Kim Kardashian. Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift. Two of the most famous people in the world. Yeah, and but for Brad, Taylor, on, a, on just a human level. On a human level, yes. But I, I think that these people sometimes live outside of that realm, right? I mean, it's, it's Kim Kardashian. It's Taylor Swift. Kim would have to essentially bow to Taylor by issuing a public apology. That's what we're told Taylor would want from this, is because it was a public shaming, she would want a public apology. Hmm. And I just don't see that happening at least before there's some sort of private conversation first. I, well, I wouldn't have a no, private conversation with phone. Kim because I, would, be I wouldn't trust her on the phone, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, look, I, I mean, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I, I'm Team Taylor on this. I think Kim should apologize. It was deceptive the way this went out. Um, the words that were at issue were never spoken on the phone, and she shouldn't have recorded it in the first place. She was in cahoots with Kanye. So it's like, what, 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 what harm does it do, Kim, to say, hey, I, I, I'm really yeah. sorry. It was a different it's time. A different I'm time, really sorry. different era. I was supporting, you know, Kanye, and that's kind of the way do, it was. Do you find it a little uh, or feel a certain way about the fact that this happened seven years ago? This is someone who just became a billionaire, most popular tour, most popular movie. She's on top of the world, huge relationship, and is still drawing back to this seven years later. Well, to be fair to her, I don't, I don't know what the question was and why it came up. But this was an interview with Time, so I, unless she just said it out of nowhere, then that, I get your point. But if they ask her a question about it, then she's gonna, she was dishonest. That's you know, fair. And, you know, I, I have a friend who told me this story once about, you know, think of if you're in crisis, think you're in a town square and the, the bell rings when, at the stro a stroke of noon. And you hear the bell if you're in town square, but it goes away. Her head is inside the bell, so it reverberates a lot longer. So to her, that may be way bigger than it is to some casual observer. Sure. And that it did last seven years, and she does harbor a grudge and is angry about it still, even though most people don't even think about it anymore because Taylor's achieved such well, success. I don't know. I think Kim's making a mistake. Lots not of to people do it. are thinking about it now because Taylor talked about That's it. That's right. And which is why Kim is getting the backlash. Tampa, Florida, miss the music in the house. I think that, you know, it, it is what it is, and you can't force an apology from somebody, so she might as well just let it go. I mean, Kim K, come on. Well, I mean, yeah, they're both successful, and they can both move on in their lives, and I don't think, it doesn't seem like Taylor's losing sleep over it, but it definitely bothers her. Clearly bothers her. Yeah. But, I mean, Kim is so smart. Just apologize. Well, I think Kim, would, at this point, Kim probably thought this was all over and done with. But it's not. But now she knows it's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would she know that Taylor is still thinking about it until this time interview? She wouldn't have. It's not a war she should be waging. I'm sorry. All right, uh, we're going to move on. Yes, to Drake, who is uh, having some fun down in his favorite place, Turks and Caicos. He goes there, I don't know how many times a year. And apparently, 
in his time down there, he has found himself a favorite bartender who is, based on the videos, he's posting more than just a bartender to him. Uh, her name is Flocka, and um, this is him at her bar. She's serving up some drinks, um, but he posted videos of her. Um, he's looking, gonna, he's he, just looking across the bar now. He's he is he is just zeroed in like a heat-seeking missile because of so the, the pride of Turks. He's mentioned her, by the way, in songs. In songs, yes, and uh, so they went on a date. It looks like last night. Well, I don't know if she was enjoying that or not, but he's... He is all in. But he definitely seems like a guy who is like head over heels. You definitely know Flocka is enjoying all of this. This is probably like the time of her life. She's hanging out with Drake. Like you said, they've been friends before. Drake loves Turks and Caicos. He goes there quite a bit. Um, he's gone to this particular beach club. It's called Noah's Ark Beach Club. He goes there when he goes to Turks, and she's a bartender there. So it seems like maybe uh, they've met when he was getting drinks before. Uh, she actually like was promoting his album for him a couple of weeks ago. So it seems like they've been friends. They have a friendship, um, and it's just good to see them him out having fun. The thing is he's now made her a tourist attraction. Anybody goes, <laughs> anyone who goes to Turks and Caicos is going to go to that bar and they want to get served it's by Flocka. It's totally true. Right? It is Zuri, totally Zuri, true. Zuri, who works with Casey, he just went to Turks uh -huh. and Caicos last week and I literally asked him, I said, oh my God, she was at the restaurant you went to for your birthday dinner. He's like, well, I didn't see her at the restaurant, but I did see her at the beach club. So Zuri actually did see her, but see? it was like a little week too early. It wasn't like she wasn't hyped up yet. Uh, oh my oh. God. So she's become a tourist attraction. We'll see, how, see how much longer she's a bartender. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lindsay in Indianapolis. It's hard for me to take him seriously. He tends to do a lot of over-the-top stuff for women as far as dates or grand gestures. He likes to put it on his socials. So as far as him posting her on his IG, didn't he just do that with Sexy Red not too long ago also? I mean, So whatever it you is know. with him and Flocka, I don't think it's that serious. No, well, no, no, one, no one's saying they're is he going to Turk getting and, married. Is he going to Turks and Caicos? For Turks and Caicos or for Flocka? It's hard to tell now. Before, I thought it was for the beaches, but maybe not. When Britney Spears was perhaps at the height of uh, the tensions with her father, I wouldn't even say tensions. I mean, she was war. At, at war with him uh, when she was speaking out in court about him and making the allegations about what happened under the conservatorship. And saying that uh, she wanted him in jail for the rest of his yes. life. When all that was going on, there was one person right by her side and who was just as vocally against Jamie Spears, and that is Sam Asghari, yep. who was her husband at the time. And you'll recall, I think it was last year, or maybe it was a couple years ago, when we got him out. There at Bristol yeah. Farms. Uh, and we asked him about what was going on with Jamie and the conservatorship, and he said he is a blank. A blank. He, he called him a, blank. He, a disparaging word and said when he stops acting like one, he'll stop calling him one. Right. So you could tell that he was Team Brittany all the way right. and really despised Jamie. Hated Jamie. So, with the news that things are warming between uh, Brittany and her father, although there hasn't been any actual connection yet that we know of, uh, she did post a photo of him the other day. Which is a big deal. So we got Sam out yesterday. He's leaving the gym. Guy's always working out, which shows when we see him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we got him leaving the gym and asked him what he thought about the possibility of there being um, a Spears family uh, miracle heading into the holiday. Uh, here's what he had to say. What do you think about Brittany wanting to reconnect with her dad? You called him a total at one point. Do you, do you still think he's a total I wish everyone a happy
happy holiday. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He, so Lynn was just out here with Brittany. She doesn't have any family right now. Is this a good thing for her? A lot of people are worried about her. Happy holidays. Thanks. I got a lot of opinions about this. Mm -hmm. number, number one, um, Sam wanted out of this marriage for a long time right. before he actually pulled the ripcord. That's number one, that he was done. And so whatever anger or angst he had back then, it's different based on his view of how he wants to live his life. That's over now. Secondly, and this is the big thing, they are that close to fully settling the divorce. Sam's gonna get a check for, a, it's, a, it's gonna be a six-figure check, probably we're told the low six figures, but he doesn't want to upset that apple cart because right. that's going to be part of him moving forward. he can't say, and if forward, he says anything right now, he's going to blow it up. Right. And with that settlement coming, as you said, we know it's going to happen probably any day now. We also know that they're on speaking terms again. We had reported back when the divorce was happening that they weren't on the best of terms. They were speaking through their lawyers. But we do know now that they are uh, somewhat cordial with each other. And you have to assume that is because that settlement is looming. But look, I mean, if you look at what's going on with Brittany, um, she is alone. She does not have friends, really. She's got a couple of confidants. And um, now Sam's gone. Her kids are gone. She's lonely. And she misses her family. And that's why all of a sudden Lynn has reappeared. Jamie Lynn now has a relationship again. Right. They're talking. Uh, Brian, her brother, um, is hanging out with her occasionally. So the last man to deal with is Jamie Spears, her yeah. dad. By the way, we did get Jamie Lynn. Uh, she was at the airport yesterday as well. I guess she was leaving after the Dancing with the Stars finale. Um, much like Sam, not much to say. I think she also said, uh, like, Merry Christmas. Um, and that, that's all she would say. Do you know what the reality here is, too? They don't want to trigger Britney. And, 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 and that is a hair trigger, that you say one wrong thing that she perceives to be wrong and you're cut out. Things are and they're all scared. Right. Lex from Georgia, I just uh, want to applaud Sam for one, minding his business, and for two, just not commenting. And I do wish them for all the healing in the world with Brittany and her family. Yeah. Can I say it or do you want to say it? What? The white balance? Yes. <laughs> the yes. The lack of white balance? <laughs> well, just explain to people at home. If you're if you thought the video of Sam seemed a little blue, it's because Melanie's camera was clearly not white balanced, which is a setting you put on your camera, and it didn't happen. And yes, we've oh dealt with that. God. We hope there's no more blue video. <laughs> that is so funny. We got Papa Smurf out leaving the gym. We uh, didn't even we didn't even talk about that. Okay, we're gonna move on. Yes, uh, moving on to uh, LeBron James, who unfortunately found himself in the middle of a very hot button issue in America, and that is gun control. The Lakers are in Las Vegas because they are in the semifinals of the NBA's in-season tournament. They're getting ready for a game and. While they were there practicing, there was the shooting that happened on the campus at UNLV Three yesterday. people died. And the three people were killed before the shooter himself uh, was taken out. But LeBron, after practice, and they're in Las Vegas, uh, this issue came up, and he had a lot to say about um, gun issues in America. The ability to get a gun, the ability to, <clears throat> you know, to do these things over and over and over, and there's been no change is literally ridiculous. It makes no sense that we continue to use, lose innocent lives and, <clears throat> you know, on campuses, on schools, at shopping markets and, you know, 
movie theaters and all type of stuff. It's just, it's ridiculous. So I gotta say something about this, because you said he kind of stepped in it. No, he found himself in the middle of it. But here's, here's what I think. I, I can't imagine there is any right-thinking person who would say, oh no, um, I, I, I'm for sh uh, school shootings. I'm for these mass shootings. Everybody pretty much is against mass shootings, I would think. Yeah, the issue is, it's the, about how do you How do you solve them? it? Yeah, so I mean, raising the issue, there are a lot of people who are afraid to even raise the issue. I think it's gotta be raised because we gotta talk about how to solve it. I mean, everybody knows this is a problem. So now we've gotta have dialogue where we're not making the other person the enemy for disagreeing. And until we feel like, yeah, we can't, we should talk about it, we're never gonna solve it. Yeah, it, look, I, I think I think a lot of people, if, if you were to make the counterpoint against what LeBron's saying here, they, they would say, hey, what he just said is a very over, oversimplified uh, solution to uh, to this issue. You know, people would say, hey, look, uh, most of these crimes that are committed, gun crimes that are committed are are not legal gun owners. They're people who are obtaining guns illegally and, and committing crimes. They would say most people who own guns are law-abiding citizens. Fact there, absolutely. Oh, yes. Uh, 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 yes, of course. A lot of them, a lot, listen. Most gun owners are law-abiding, that's true. Uh, no, that's true, right. but a lot of the mass shooters have gotten these guns legally. Uh, no, right. sure, sure. And, and uh, my point, Harv, is more to just shootings in general. I, I, I do agree that when it comes to mass shooters, it's a bit different. I, I, something obviously has to be done. This is happening entirely too much. I, I just don't know if, if it's that surface level. I think we've got to go deeper here. I think it's a it's in many cases yeah, a I, mental health issue. But I also think um, it's unfair to expect that LeBron was going to get into that much depth about the issue. Sure. When he's asked, in a, you know, after a practice. No, and it makes reporter. sense, Charles. Yeah. He's obviously, he's in Vegas because the NBA has got this in-season yeah. tournament in Vegas. So, you know, it makes sense for him to be asked about it. And, and anytime LeBron speaks about something, he's so popular, it, it starts a conversation. And, and that's not a bad thing. Hey, my name is Amir in New York. Um, first, LeBron, it's good to see him attack this issue head on. Sometimes he'll circumvent some things just for business and political reasons. But I feel like he hit the nail right in the head with this. I agree with him. The mass shootings are ridiculous. They always have been going back to Columbine, all the way up through Sandy Hook, Virginia Tech, uh, and going further. It just gets a little murky because in America, there is a big social, political, financial struggle when it comes to guns, gun laws, and gun regulations. So I don't know when, where, or how we will see change. But it is ridiculous, and at some point in time, it needs to stop. Well, it needed to stop a long time ago. The issue is nobody's figured out a solution where you can get a consensus. Well, some people who were very critical in Joe Biden getting elected last time, um, I guess the question is, uh, we're talking about the squad, um, the group of progressive congresswomen who certainly played a big role in him getting into office. And so the question now leading into next year's election, where do they stand? There have been, they've been butting heads on policy, they've been butting heads really through his entire uh, term in office. They're, so, dis they're dissatisfied because yeah. they are way more progressive than Joe Biden, who is really an old school liberal. And this was, we knew that this was a problem, even though they got him, helped get him elected, we knew that they just didn't agree on policy and it was sort of like, when is the payback going to come? Um, and a lot of they've basically made it known there hasn't been enough payback. So does Joe Biden need to court them leading into this? Uh, someone 
who knows very well about the origins of the squad and possibly where they're going in the future, is Ryan Grimm, an author and journalist who's written a book. It's called The Squad, AOC, and the Hope of a Political Revolution. Uh, and he is joining us now to talk about uh, the present and future for the squad. Ryan, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how you guys doing? We're good. First of all, congratulations on the book. Uh, big accomplishment. Appreciate it. Um, Appreciate it. Thank you. So let's talk about uh, next year. Um, going into this election, um, you know, it's funny. I just want to get your reaction to this because I see the squad as inspiring young people, but also dividing the party. So when it all comes out in the wash, is the squad going to help Democrats or hurt Democrats in 2024? You know, it's interesting. I think some of it is going to come down to how, uh, you know, Joe Biden handles the catastrophe that's going on you know, in, in Gaza and the Middle East uh, right now, because that's really, you know, fueling divisions in a way that makes the, the rest of it uh, look look tiny. Uh, but one thing that becomes clear as you're going as I was going through the reporting for this book is that the idea that they're that controversial within the Democratic Party comes out of kind of the the wounds from the Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton campaign that haven't really healed, yet party members look at the squad and particularly AOC you know, differently than they look at a lot, a lot of the other kind of left-wing elements and, and including Bernie Sanders. There, there's a poll that came out just earlier this year that asked New Hampshire voters, and New Hampshire is the, the first state that holds a primary, and it asked them, you know, who, who is your favorite Democrat around the country? And the shocking answer uh, that came out of that poll was that AOC was the was the most popular Democrat among New Hampshire primary voters. Really, which is not what you would have had, have expected several years ago. Because you think of like these folks as kind of these lightning rods, but I think the party has moved kind of to the left over in, you know in recent years. Ryan, I know I know you you spent a lot of time uh, talking to the members of the squad. Do they like being called the squad? Do they wear it as a badge of honor? It wasn't. That's a really interesting question. So I was interviewing uh, Ilhan Omar, one of the squad members, uh, toward the very end of this book for like a final interview, and she's like, "You know, there is no such thing as the squad, right?" You're like, "You know that, right?" And I, I'm like, "Yeah, I do. I do know that." Uh, on the other hand, there also is, and so I think there is there is some genuine kind of resentment about this being kind of foisted on them uh, by a. You know, she she described it as a media creation. But at the same time, it has taken on a life of its own. It comes from, in 2018, uh, AOC just snapped an Instagram pic and posted it online and wrote underneath it, squad. And sort of media, a Taylor that, Swift reference at that point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so then from there, they were expected to kind of operate as a unit. And sometimes they did. Their staffs were often in coordination while they're thinking about you know, legislative strategies, how they're going to vote on this, whether they're going to move this amendment. So they did in, at, at times operate as a block, but also they were individual members of Congress. One of them, Ayanna Presley, would always remind them, in the end, you, know, you vote alone and you vote for your district. So the answer to your question is yes or no, but they, they, there, is, there is a level of resentment to it from them, for sure. Going into the election, what are they thinking? I mean, do they, I, I guess it has been presented like they're kind of disappointed that they haven't gotten a lot of the things that Joe Biden had promised when he was elected. So where do they stand with him going into next year? I think before 
the crisis broke out uh, in in the Middle East, I think they were pretty much on board. Uh, but now, with with what's with what's unfolding, uh, their 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 supporters and they themselves are just appalled, and they have been pushing very hard for a ceasefire and some type of you know permanent ceasefire, some type of resolution to the crisis in the Middle East. And they see Biden as as being uh, too loose in what he's al- what he's allowing Netanyahu to get away with, and and as long as that as long as that situation remains unresolved. It's going to be very difficult for them, even even if they got completely on board. A lot of their supporters would be like, "Well, we're not on board for this," and so that that is a serious problem, particularly say in in a place like Michigan. Right. But then the consequence of that uh, is possibly meaning that Donald Trump gets elected mm-hmm. if they if they sit back. Um, right. This book is interesting. It's really fascinating. Um, I'm putting it on my list. Uh, Excellent. It, it, it's Excellent. really no. It is really interesting because. You know, I, I'm so interested in how the people on the two extremes are able to kind of navigate things because they may be deal breakers for both sides, depending on what happens. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and I also I, I narrated the audio version. I don't know if you did that uh, for years. It, it was that was that was like two weeks of my life. Um, oh, but it was, you mean but it, was fun, when, it was Ryan, fun to do. When Harvey wrote the book, they, were, they didn't have audio books. Yeah, they, oh, they, didn't, that have, was, they didn't have tape recorders. But he wrote his, there, 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 there were crude tape recorders back then, right? <laughs> <laughs> there were no audio books, right? <laughs> but congratulations oh. on yours. Then. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Right. Um, thank thank you, you so much for being with us, man. The Squad by uh, Ryan Grimm. Thank you Bell so much. Now. Okay, we are going to take a break. All right, when we come back, 50 Cent announces he's making a documentary about Diddy's accusers. And he's got big plans for the profits from this docu-series. You know, 50 Cent used to be known just as trolling people. Now he's doing it with his producing power. Welcome back to TMZ Live. 50 Cent and Diddy. They have not gotten along, not ever that I know of. Um, bad blood. Definitely quote, some bad quote, blood. To quote uh, a, and uh, certainly it seemed more from 50 Cent's side, who is always always never missed an opportunity to troll Diddy online, has trolled him about all sorts of things from trivial to very serious things. Most recently, the once the Cassie lawsuit was filed and then the multiple lawsuits that came after he settled the Cassie lawsuit, Diddy, uh, sorry, 50 Cent has been going after Diddy online nonstop. Also, the other thing earlier this year he was trolling him about was um, uh, Tupac. Because oh, right. 50 keeps right. embracing these uh, theories that, that Diddy, Diddy had something was to do right. with Tupac's murder. So um, the fact, the so 50 Cent makes an announcement now that he is going beyond just online trolling. He is actually going to be producing, um, and remember, he is a very powerful producer in Hollywood now. He is going to be producing a docu uh, docu series or documentary about uh, the accusations against Diddy, um, and. He is very serious about this um, and says he's even decided that whatever profits uh, come out of this, that he will be donating it to victims of sexual assault. Um, That announcement alone got more headlines for uh, this documentary announcement. 50 Cent, you know, he's been described as a diabolical genius for this move. You know, it's it's kind of bulletproof, you know. The profits go into the, the victims and, you know, it gives an insight of, you know, some, some of the stuff that's been happening. So, uh, you know, it should be interesting as it develops. 
And, and I also think that 50 Cent knows that by putting his name on it, one, it's going to get more attention. And I would imagine that whoever pitched this idea to him, if it was pitched to him, probably brought up the Surviving R. Kelly docuseries that got so much uh, attention and really sparked. And, and if you guys notice, yeah. there's some jabs to Rick Ross, too. You know, that's another one of 50's arch nemesis who's kind of being grouped. In right. I saw the shot of Rick Ross in there and I didn't what. But Rick's not, video. Rick is not, is, has not, not part been, of the documentary. Has right? not been, but it is right. 50 has beef with him. And so. But what's the knows? connection? Why is he, why would he put him in the Diddy documentary? Just to troll him. At this Rick, point. Ross, Rick Ross and Diddy are good friends. Rick Ross has some controversy behind himself, so 50 Cent is killing all the birds, all the stones he's got with well, his G-Unit films. You know, he's, it's one thing to like troll, repost things and troll online, but if he's going to be producing a documentary uh, or docu-series where there are going to be some very serious allegations made, presumably, he's got to make sure, and um, he's got lawyers, he's just got to make sure that this, you can't just... Well, it's a different level, you know what I'm saying? I, like, I don't want to get all legal on everybody, but... I was hoping you would. You know, he's walking a line here because since Diddy is obviously a public figure, right. the only way you could sue him is if you can prove malice, essentially. But because of their relationship, malice may not be that hard to prove. Yeah, right. I, I do want to get all legal here. I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think that Harvey's exactly right. You know, you've got this situation where 50, 50 has always had it out for Diddy. And, you know, depending on who you believe, you may think it's a good thing, you may think it's a bad thing. But if there are things said here that are false, I think Diddy's going to be able to mount a claim yeah. that this was, if Done not malicious, at least with reckless disregard for the truth, which is the other standard. It'll be interesting to see how this line is, This you know, Diddy obviously has hundreds of millions of dollars in resources to ferret through every allegations made against him and potentially bring lawsuits where, where they're uh, justified. I think it's important that hopefully everybody keeps the victims in mind. I think it's really good that the, the proceeds will go to the victims, uh, go to the sexual assault uh, victims. I also think it's important to, like, not, hopefully 50 Cent isn't framing this strictly as an interpersonal thing, but, like, hopefully people will get to, like, the structures that really allow Diddy to continue to do what he was doing. It's really weird that it's just now coming out, and so I'm hoping that that really gets fucking to as well. The other challenge that 50 Cent is going to have is that there are active lawsuits going on now um, are those people going to want to talk? Talk. Yeah. Um, and then if those lawsuits settle, then they're probably definitely be, not going to talk. There'll be an NDA. Right. That's right. So it's going to be a challenge. Okay. We are going to move on. Yes. Uh, to the oh, holiday oh, oh. spirit. Um, <laughs> uh, although there is not much holiday spirit between Tim Allen. It got a little grinchy. Yes. And uh, his former co-star, Casey Wilson, uh, who co-starred with him on a Disney Plus series called The Santa Clauses. Tim as Santa Claus, Casey is playing a young woman who's now grown up and had an encounter with Santa Claus like, you know, like kids do. That sounded wrong. Not an encounter, but anyway. The point being... That was the movie. In case you... I just wanted to give you the background on the movie. Behind the scenes did not go so well. Casey was on her podcast, uh, Bitch Session, and she did that indeed about her time with uh, Tim Allen. Tim Allen was <laughs> such a bitch. Ah! For it was real. the worst, truly single worst experience I've ever had with a co-star ever. He goes over to the producer who is standing four feet from me. He just walks over and he goes, um, and I basically hear him. He goes, you gotta tell her to stop stepping on my lines. The producer turns to me with horror on his face and has to walk one foot to me. And he goes, um, Tim would ask 
luck that you stopped stepping those lines. It was like everybody was walking on eggshells around him. It, people just looked like frantic. And when he was done, he was so rude. Never made eye contact, never said anything. Hmm. Wow. How long ago so was this? So there's not going to be a sequel to <laughs> that movie. <laughs> no. Not, not starring the two of them. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. The, the movie, what, came, movie came out uh, in 2021 or 2022? I missed 2022. It. Yeah. It was a show. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, Richie Valentino coming from Long Island, New York. Listen, I'm just going to offer just a little bit of a different perspective. Everybody forgets that Tim Allen actually started as a comedian. Now, as a comedian, sometimes when you're cracking jokes, people don't take you seriously. So maybe, just maybe, on set, he wanted to, everyone to actually behave and get the job done. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Possible. <laughs> but there, the good news is you can still watch it because it was on streaming. So you can watch that this weekend. But now, and now you can now, watch but, it with but, the now you now can watch the fantasy, with knowledge. But now the fantasy is broken. <laughs> That's the problem. I feel like you spoke it into existence. At the end of the show yesterday, you said, "Come on, Joshua Jackson and Lupita Nyong'o are a couple, even though they were walking out of the grocery store separately, and then she was ducking down in I the just, car." I got the sixth sense. You just what had a I sixth say? sense because. Later, uh, that uh, went to Joshua's own town, right? Uh huh. Joshua Tree. <laughs> uh, no relation, as far as we know. Uh, but yes, there, Joshua Tree, taking a stroll, and there just happened to be a camera a in camera there in, in the middle of nowhere. I'm sorry for saying I love Joshua Tree, but it's in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of in the middle. It's there are not paparazzi in Joshua Tree, as far as I know. And have never been there as but far as I But I will say that, obviously, people were wanting to see this shot. So it wouldn't be that bizarre Charles, if paparazzi Charles. Well, went out to Well, it's true, though. I'm with Charles on this, Harvey. Oh, we God. just saw them at Erewhon. There's are you people new? who are following them around. I mean, look at Ben and J-Lo. We get them every single yeah. crevice in Los Angeles. You know the paparazzi in Los Angeles. are following them. Yeah, in Los Angeles. Harvey, this is Joshua. You are being... Listen, I think it's great. I love the fact that they're together. But I'm not... what you're insinuating is that this was a staged... That this was a setup shot. I have a right to remain silent. Right? That's what you're insinuating, yeah. which makes no sense because I'll remind you that we've gotten agency photos when people are in Montana. I understand We've gotten that. agency photos when people are in Wyoming. But hold on. But the reason I'm saying it is that sometimes if everybody's kind of talking about it and dogging them and whatnot, sometimes it's better to just show it the way they do sometimes when somebody's pregnant. Right. And then it's over. And then, then they live I their life. I agree with you. Look, on the, on the so drive it's nothing, out. nothing wrong with it. On the drive out to Joshua Tree, they're probably like, look, what are we doing? I mean, let's just, when we get out there, we'll just hold hands. Because they're smiling and all, they see the camera there, I'm right. sure. So... I, I, no shade on it. I'm just, no shade on it. Anyway, good on your town, Joshua. Hey, what's going on? This is Dre Mack from Kansas City, and I agree with Harvey. Just show it. You guys are, yeah, seem happy together. Uh, everything kind of, you know, kind of went downhill in October, but I'm glad that these guys are showing their love now. They could be able to be expressive. And in the middle of Joshua True, what's something better than that? Exactly. There you go. Well, he agreed with me. What love do you mean, exactly? wins. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> okay, it is that time of the week, folks. Your favorite time. Tim is here with his rejects. Right, Whose hands are that mopping behind? Yeah, really. <laughs> All right, so when's your guys' next wakeboarding trip? Uh, TBA. 
Okay, well, I bet you guys will not try this. So this guy is wakeboarding on a high-rise being pulled by a drone. Oh, I see. And then, there's a, then there's a jump. He goes off the jump. No. You'll see once is. he goes off the yep. jump, the high-rise, he's got Oh, my God. He's he has got a shoot. He has a shoot. He has, he a, has shoot. a parachute. Oh, we're, my God. We were God. watching a snuff film. Like, uh, <laughs> right. okay. And then he guys lands okay. on the sand there on the beach. So <laughs> That scared me. Yeah. Holy smokes. Cool. That yeah, was good. See, that was good lead up there, Tim. You didn't let him know. No, no, no. That was good. Right, right, Whoa. exactly. <laughs> okay. All right, so have you guys played Frisbee golf before? Yeah. What do you do if it's very windy? Um, go inside. Well, this guy, it's Find very windy. He game. needed to make a goal, so no he goes and throws the Frisbee, and <laughs> the Frisbee wait. goes flying 100 yards behind him. Well, I, yeah, of course. Wait a minute. So I Tim, thought you I were going to show gonna he was going to make a goal. I thought it was no, going to go yeah, in the so goal behind him. All you're him. showing is he no, was the lame. Whole point is to, it's <laughs> What's your point? Oh, Tim, this, this is, is the most funny. rejectable. This is ridiculous. Tim's rejected ever. It's ridiculous. Funny. You so don't go frisbee wind is blowing, and he threw I mean, it into the wind. It's supposed to be an easy shot. It was quickly. a move on. Long start you had. Okay. Wow. All right, you'll like this one. So the best way to <laughs> I don't cut, know. the best way to cut two by fours would probably be with a saw, correct? Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. Well, not for this guy. He decided to try a world record here. Uh, breaking what? two by fours. No, no, no! Oh, no! God. No! In between his oh, legs. No, no. The guy's wearing it like a steel cup, Yeah, right? he's got a cup on. He breaks eight, so there you eight? go. Pretty impressive to break eight boards, so. Now, what's the record without a cup? That I think you should try. I don't know. But. So now he's saying you're breaking. Well, forget it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tim. Uh, All right, see ya. Boy, that second one was wow. Ridiculous. That, is, that might be the that most rejectable Tim's reject in the history ridiculous. of Tim's reject. Uh, Bradley Cooper's got a food truck. He and a buddy decided to. Uh, Boy, times are tough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the strike's over, Bradley. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, this was actually something they're doing for charity. Um, it was, uh, they were, did a little pop-up yesterday in New York. They're going to be there today as well. And all the proceeds are going to a uh, charity to, to feed um, the homeless people in homeless New York. Homeless people in New York. So great thing he's doing. And he's also, because he's Bradley Cooper, and he's actually working there in the truck, um, he's getting some very famous customers. Like every ex-girlfriend and very <laughs> current girlfriend. Too. Uh, Arena Sheikh stopped by. Gigi Hadid, who is he, uh, I think Arena is dating is ex uh, and mother of their daughter. I have a grievance. <laughs> They're serving uh, cheesesteaks. Yeah. Why do they use Cheese Whiz and American cheese? It just never made sense to me. I mean, American cheese, I know it's popular. It Hang on a second, let me give you a soapbox. It doesn't what do you want? have a taste. And I, So what, were, what are you proposing? How are you going to make the famous Philly cheesesteak better? Harvey Levin, here we go. Okay, <clears throat> I would do sharp cheese and then offer Gouda as a second option. That's Gouda? I, yes, it would be delicious. Gouda? Oh, I think Gouda would I, be I would delicious. love to get a video of you going anywhere in Philadelphia and asking for Gouda on your cheesesteak. Boy, I'd love to see that. Hey, this is Ton Johnson in Chicago. The best thing about it is, you know, like most guys wouldn't want their ex-girlfriend to see them working a food truck, but Bradley <laughs> Cooper looks cooler for it. That man is a magician. Yeah, yeah. yeah when you're a, Bradley Cooper. It's a little different. You, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny, though. That was funny. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? Hello, my name is Alondra. I am from Los Angeles and going back to 
Kim Kardashian, Taylor Swift, they're both brilliant women. I am not sure who's telling the truth. I am leaning more towards Taylor just because Kim is known for being sneaky. And <laughs> that's the Kim, Taylor just wants an apology, just apologize and move on. Yes, no yes, it's that easy. It's that easy. One more. Hello, uh, this is Brian uh, from Daly City, California. I'm commenting on the LeBron James UNLV shooting. Uh, first of all, I just want to give my condolences to family and friends. And uh, LeBron James couldn't be more right. Uh, there needs to be more celebrities and athletes talking about this. It's sad to keep going to games and having the moments of silence. And yeah. Something definitely has to Something's change. Something's got to change. Something's got to change. But what is that something? You travel a lot. Uh, you ever put on like those decompression socks? I have not, but I know why people use them because yeah. you can get a, an embolism if you sit too long um, and it could be fatal. Right, and Jeremy Renner is very conscious of that as he continues his recovery, which has been really miraculous. Unbelievable. Uh, how well he is moving around. This is him in JFK airport yesterday. He goes beyond just compression socks and obviously what he's been through probably needs a little more. There's, looks like a battery powered device there yeah. to help with compression the circulation. in the lower leg. Yeah, that's right. Look at what's gone on this year. You look at Jeremy Renner, you look at Jamie Foxx, mm -hmm. um, you look at Brawny, you look at DeMar Hamlin. Yep. I mean, this has been a crazy year. And fortunately, everybody I mentioned, they bounce back. Yep. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow.